Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Amen. And, and that's my prayer that, that I'll not say anything, but that the Holy Spirit will somehow, I don't know how, um, but will speak through me to you. I've tried this morning already to lay, um, it is on, uh, to lay a foundation. And do you know something? It's more important to lay a foundation than the superstructure. If the foundation is laid well, the superstructure seems to go up in no time. We all know that from building. And that foundation took a little while, but it's getting us into shape. And I want you to recognize that being in shape is terribly important for the development of the church. That's why in sports, a lot of time is spent in training. And then the game, the performance, lasts maybe just an hour and a half. But the training that's gone in has been many hours of hard slog. And if we are going to do anything as a church, and I'm sure we are, I'm confident of that. I really feel something's happening here, and I can say that because I'm not really part of it. I'm just an observer like you, or a participant, I hope. Um, and, and we're just so thrilled at what God is doing, and we do bless our leaders. We thank them, pray for them, I'm sure, every day, and thank God for them, and ask that we continue to be guided in wisdom and strength, and they will bring continual honor to him. I just thought as I began my notes here, let's give thanks to God for the weekend we've enjoyed so much. I do appreciate the arranged visits of Julian Pryor and and, uh, Phil Hilsden and Mikey, as he was described. I really did like that guy, Mikey. He really got through to me. I, I just, I don't know about you, but I thought what a genuine young fellow he was. I was very much impressed with him. And he encouraged us, as did um, uh, John and Julian, in faith building and challenged us to get out of the boat. Uh, there was one thing he said, well, I don't know why he said, is it you, Lord? Because he must have known there was a, he was, no, no, I think that was a very valid question. I think that's a very valid question. And if God is calling you in this church to do something, I beg of you to ask him, am I sure this is what you want me to do? Because churches get ruined by people who are doing jobs that God hasn't called them to do. The reason being, like I said before, it's so dangerous is God's calling comes with his empowering. If you attempt to do God's calling without his empowering, well, if you're anything like me, you'll fall flat on your face. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to be obedient to his word. And so I was greatly encouraged by those words, and uh, I'm sure they were a blessing to us all that we learned to take more risks. Uh, I was told, I'm nearly there now myself now, but I was told about a, a group of octogenarians who were asked if they had their life over again, and unfortunately, this is not a rehearsal, it's a real thing, you don't get another chance, another bite of the cherry, what would you do? And they said almost to a man, we would have risked more, we played for safety too much and missed out as a consequence. So we risk more. So we thank God for this weekend, together as one. Um, 
all together as one. I want to come to that, I think. But uh, I've got here, I've got to read my notes now. I'm out of sequence. Actually, they're all little papers and they're supposed to stick together and they've all fallen on the floor. And I'm out of sequence a little bit, but I'm not going to be out of sequence with time. So I need to watch that. I've only got five or ten minutes at the most. It would be nice if we could have said all together as one. We've missed um, Angus and Louis due to their road accident en route to Seaburn. And others are not here for a variety of reasons because they were unable to be here. We miss them greatly and pray that they will build with us on the foundations and aspirations for the future that we've shared over these last two days. I was impressed. One of the things yesterday caught my mind, I want to say just very briefly, um, I like what that guy said when he said, when you're doing church in your community, Make use of the facilities that um, exist um, around about you. Don't reinvent the wheel, I suppose he would have said. And, and, and I thought that was very good. You know, we want to work with all men and women of goodwill. We're not exclusives. We're inclusive. And if we can work with people uh, at a, at a, which doesn't offend in any way or particular underlying devotion to Jesus Christ then I think we ought to do it and we ought to make use of every good person who is seeking to build the kingdom of God. I think I could give you a scripture for that. Do you remember when Jesus wanted to feed the 5,000? He asked a little lad. There's a lad there. He has some loaves and fishes. I I don't know whether that fellow was a, a Jew. I imagine he was, but I don't know about him. But God used people. There's people willing to help. And often when people are helping with this and the church, they get involved with the church and it's a way of salvation eventually. So we need, not to, we need to work with all. Jesus takes the disciples back to the place where his greatest ministry had taken place in Galilee. It's a, it's a wonderful area. And every little village along that lake or sea as it's called sometimes um, has a story to tell. And it was lovely to be there just last year at Easter time, just before Easter and to be with my grandson in Capernaum, as they call it, the house of Venaeum, or Capernaum, as we would describe it. Those places where Jesus healed people. And it was just lovely to get the feel of it and to go across Galilee and to walk down the Mount of Beatitudes and sit there with others as we read the, the Beatitudes together. It was absolutely wonderful. And he asked his disciples to go back there. Uh, I don't know why he wanted them in Galilee particularly, except that maybe they, it would be an area where they could remember certain things. It was an area of difficulty for some, an area of denial, an area sometimes of um, great expectation too. And he took them back to Galilee. There's something going on that maybe you work out as you read through the Bible, but I don't know quite how they got from Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified up to Galilee, and then they were back again in Jerusalem for when the Spirit came. Do you remember? Well, we better be very quick, but they're up in Galilee, and the third time Jesus meets with them in Galilee is when he comes to Peter, and he says to Peter, Peter, do you, he said, do you love me? Do you remember when Peter had gone fishing again? And he said, do you love me, Peter? Peter says, well, yes, Lord. He asked him three times. Well, you know what would trigger off in Peter's mind the three times he denied him. So Peter responds, Lord, you know everything. You know I love me. Do you know, 
Tony was saying the other morning, we've maybe messed up the week previously, but here was an opportunity to come and put things right and get things straightened out. The thing that struck me about that was it's not just that we look back and say, well, it doesn't matter. Of course we mess up. Many times. Big time. But we're unhappy about that. We're not doing it and saying, well, it doesn't matter. That's an affront to grace. Particularly costly grace. But when we come and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I failed you again. That's par for the course, friend. Expect that sort of thing. But do it. Go back to him and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't get it right that time. I did try. You know my heart. And that's what Peter's saying. At the bottom of it all, you know my heart. And at the bottom of it all, if you're sincere, God takes note of that. He knows you. He knows you cannot do everything. He knows that difficulty you have, that frailty you have, that fallibility you have, that ineptitude that you have. He knows all about those things. He still loves you. He's chosen you. And he just wants you to come back and say, Lord, I didn't get that right. Help me again. I wasn't as pleasant as I should have been. I wasn't as kind as I should have been. I wasn't as generous as I should have been. Please forgive me. And start again. God doesn't delight in slow scholars. Sister used to say to us, he, delights in, he, he does not delight in disobedient ones. Well, these are, these are some of the things. Do you love me, Peter? At the end of the day, at the end, we've sang rightly so. His love will never give up on us. It's true enough. It's absolutely foundational. But listen, friends, we've got some response to that, haven't we? We kind of keep on singing, your lover will never get up, give up. What about our love towards him? Where's the gratitude come in? That's part of being a disciple. And a disciple means that we're a learner, we're a follower. We haven't got there yet. We've all got L's on our back. But we're committed to him. We love him. We appreciate what he's done for us. He's our Lord. He's our master. He's our friend. And we want to please him. I took our children, grandchildren down to school on Monday. I had the pleasure of taking them Monday and Tuesday before we came up on Thursday. And I taught them a little song. They never heard it before. Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. So we've got a long walk down to the school. So I said, Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. Anyway. To shine for him each day in every way trying to please him at home, at school, at play. And they were tickled at being a sunbeam. But we want to be a sunbeam, don't we? We want to be Jesus people. I want Jesus to live in me. I want the things I say to be Jesus' words. I want to show his love, his compassion, his concern. Jesus, fill me by your Holy Spirit. Don't you cry that out often? Fill me. Get into every fiber of my being. Make me into the kind of person you want me to be. I don't want to be my old self. I want to be new in Christ. When I was 16, I remember, 18, I remember saying it, Keswick. That wonderful word, Galatians 2 and 20, it's lived with me. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Oh, how long that, that will be the case. Don't you? Don't you? Come on, don't you? Don't you want Jesus to live in you? All of you, not just some of us, all of us. We want Jesus Christ to be glorified in the things that we do and the things that we say. Well, this is what he says. When he saw them, some worshipped him, some doubted. That's fair, fair for, for, the, for the course. 
Some worshipped, some doubted. Um, there's something I've missed out there and I didn't want to miss it out. Oh, it's about showing, oh, there's somebody in here this morning who's only here because if I say Jonah and the whale, I'll speak on Jonah and the whale. Well, Jonah and the whale, and that person's here. So I want you to know that I didn't forget what you said, and there it is. It's got nothing to talk to do with what I'm talking about, but uh, it's got everything to do about him being here. Which leads me to say, you remember the fashion show? Someone got in touch with me in London and was just, it was a general conversation. And they just said, oh, the fashion show, we were a bit disappointed. I said, really? I said, I thought it was fantastic. I said, well, the gospel wasn't preached. I said, the gospel wasn't preached. You're joking, aren't you? When you think of all the effort that went into that, all the money that was raised for good causes, the gospel wasn't preached. And... Um, I said, oh, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that, perhaps. I said, well, listen, I want to tell you something. To that fashion show, my cousin, who's never been to our church, came with her sister-in-law and her sister-in-law's daughter, who had had terrible tragedy. Their, their, daughter, their only daughter, 22, died, and she was diagnosed just a little while ago. The mother, that is, she's in her 50s, with cancer. And she came. And we didn't say much. We had a lovely evening together. Now the gospel wasn't preached verbally, but it was shared through the atmosphere of everyone who came. And do you know something? They said, we'll come to the carol service. And if I may say it to Terry here, we got one of the most wonderful expositions of the gospel of Jesus Christ I've heard for a long time. Fully anointed by the Holy Spirit. And they were there. Plus, they brought Kim's husband. It's four of them. And this is the great rub of it. He is a scout for Sunderland. And when I met him at the door to Manuel, I said, I'm amazed you're here today. This is the match. Newcastle are playing Sunderland. Oh, no, no. He says, I wanted to come. He says, as a matter of fact, John, I don't go to the big matches. I'm generally running around other places looking and scouting for young talent. But isn't it wonderful? Sometimes we forget. And it also, if I may say so, me mentioning John in the world shows you that I'll do anything to get anybody in. Well, pretty well. Do you know what I mean? Listen, that's one of the things, and I must really wrap it now, but that's one of the things about this church that's exciting me. I don't think we've ever been such a disparate group as we are now. That might strike you and shock you, but I don't. I do see a lot of um, individuals, a lot of differences, a lot of... I can't honestly say that we're the most unified group I've ever been in. I'm not worried about that, frankly. Because unity is not about uniformity. It's about being together different but bringing a difference together under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you something now, when God the Spirit is working amongst us, he brings us together. There's never in a million years the chemistry of some of you and some of and people like me will ever match. I'm sure of that. Humanly speaking, we're the most unusual group in the world. Generally speaking, when you belong to a club, at least you're all golfers, or you're all Bingo players, you've all got something in common. Or maybe you're all of the same age, or you're all of the same 
class or the same background or the same, you live in the same area. But here's a church and we're all pitched in together and it's a bit like family. With friends, you can choose them. With family, you can't. And we're all thrown in together. But listen, friends, Jesus has brought us together. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord of glory has brought us together and the potential here is absolutely unbelievable. If you and I could put it together under the power of the Holy Spirit, if we could get rid of our individualism and our selfishness and our sense that we want to be on top and we want to be in the front and we want to be this, that and the other and stop wanting to be anything but servants of his. If that were the plan, and I'm sure it's going to happen, the Holy Spirit can you believe it? We'll flood this place. And we'll do stuff amongst us like we've never dreamed about. Now that doesn't come by all being nice. I can tell you something now. It's, not, it's more than that. It's more than being nice. It's more than being, uh, having courtesy one to another. That's important. Don't misunderstand me. It's better when it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit begins to fill you. And you then relate to people in a totally different way. So much in church life that I spot is purely nastiness. And that's why the kids were so beautiful this morning. They just told the truth. That's it. We need to live in the New Testament. We need to live like Jesus lived. And you say, well, that's a bit powerful. Of course it's impossible. It's almost unnatural. It's supernatural. And that's why the Spirit was given. Not to give us a thrill, although they do, you do get a thrill when he comes, but to make us more like Christ. Well, our time has gone. And I'm going to stop now, but I'm going to stop with my last little bit here on the paper, if I can. Because I thought it was good, you know. Uh, um, yes, when I was telling you that story about the gospel, I was just reminded here, I'd written it down about St. Francis said, uh, he said, we're going to preach the gospel today to his disciples. And he said, it may use on occasions, it may need on occasions words. In other words, it's practice. It's how we live. The stuff that we've been hearing about over the weekend, the action-packed lives that will be a great blessing to the people in our community. Well, what I was trying to say at the end was, I think this is probably the end. I think this is probably the end. We are not on the winning side. We're on the side that's won. I thought that was good, actually. I mean, I didn't coin it. I mean, I've heard it before, of course. But we're not on the winning side. We're on the side that's won. Jesus said, all authority in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is the one who lives in us by the power of his spirit. Go and make disciples, not converts, not putting your hands up, but people who are learners, followers, committed to Jesus Christ. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them. That word teaching apparently means showing. I know we would like to think it's all about getting up there and getting the preacher telling us how to do it. No, no, no. It doesn't mean that fully. 
it means showing. A teacher had to show you how Christ walked, how Christ related to people. And that's what we want in our leaders. And I'm sorry, it's a tall order, men and women, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an essential. You have got to show Jesus. That's what qualifies you for leadership. Nothing else. It's not silver tongue. It's not money. It's not intelligence even. It's Christ-likeness. And it's that that will transform this group of people, our church, our nation, and ultimately the world. Because he's coming back. Well, I've, I've, I'm sorry, but I must stop there now because I took more time at the beginning. But friends, we're on the brink of something big. We're going to read this Bible together. We're going to work together. We're going to, we're going to get more committed. And those of us who maybe not have not been as strong and committed in the past, this is your opportunity to get going now. From today onwards, things are going to be different. Isn't that right? And we're going to live Jesus out. And we're going to convince this poor old world that there's life and reality and there's truth and there's lasting joy and there's blessing in Jesus Christ the Lord. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.